You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, with the uh, relative lack of news and all those kinds of fun things, I figured we'd pick up on where we left off and take a look at the Washington Redskins, the 28, nope, 2019 now, believe it or not, uh, team opponent, home opponent, in fact. If I were to translate that last attempt at a sentence, what I would probably say is something like, in 2019, the Green Bay Packers will be playing the Washington Redskins at Lambeau Field, and I would like to take a look at a general overview of the Washington Redskins. I'd probably say something like that if I uh, um, knew language good and stuff. Uh, before we get into that, I um, want to take a look back at a couple of the teams we talked about. One or two little tidbits I want to cover just to try to keep track a little bit of the teams. I know I said I wanted to do a, a broader overview of what the teams have been doing after free agency, but, you know, I don't know. Since we talked about them, and it's somewhat fresh in our minds, I want to kind of go back and be like, oh, remember I said maybe they'll sign this guy, and if they do, then they don't have any money, and, you know, all that. Just, just keep an eye on them is all I'm saying. But also, before we get there, if I could encourage you to turn your attention to the um, the description of the podcast. A couple uh, tidbits of information in there. Obviously, Packernet.com. Be sure to check that out. NFLBigBoard.com. As I mentioned, I did a pretty big update. So if you're, I mean, I, I keep seeing people doing um, mock drafts. And occasionally, especially within the Packers media, I just saw one today. And I, I don't want to... I mean, I you know, anybody's allowed to do whatever they want, but maybe some people should make the decision to not do what they're doing. Do you kind of know what I'm saying? Here's what, oh boy. I respect people and what they're trying to do, just sometimes they don't really know what they're doing, and then they publish it to a relatively big website, and it doesn't really look good for that website because the article's kind of a joke. Does that kind of make sense? But what I would do if I was you, if you were doing something like a seven-round Packers mock draft, is to be sure to look at NFLBigBoard.com. Now, if you're just doing first round, you probably have enough insight. And even if you don't, you can kind of poke around to see what people are saying yourself. NFL Big Board still is going to be a big reference because it aggregates what everybody thinks. But you kind of get an idea of, yeah, but I kind of think maybe this is going to happen. There's going to be a run on quarterbacks, whatever, whatever, and kind of make your own determination. Nobody can do all those calculations in their brain of all the different boards and all the different rumors and where everybody's going to be through seven rounds. That's where I think you could use a little bit of help, and I would encourage you to check out NFLBigBoard.com. Also, just a great reference if you want to start doing some homework. All right, if you want to study tight ends, go there, scroll to the bottom under position, 
and there's a sort little sort search box under each column. So you just type in TE for tight end under the positions. You get a list of, geez, I don't know, how many are there? I don't know, a lot. <laughs> but anyways, check it out. Otherwise, you'll also notice there is a phone number there if you'd like to call in with a question. Or if you have an opinion that you'd like to uh, share with the class, you can also use that number call or text. Call is always better because I can take that voicemail and just throw it up on here, but text is fine also. I'm fully capable of reading. I don't do it good, but I can do it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so just taking a peek, um, the one big bit of news, and this was a couple days ago, but I wanted to try to process it to understand what in the world is going on. Um, the Eagles are rumored to, I don't believe they have yet, but they are rumored to want to pick up Foles' option. Now, I honestly don't even know what that means. He is going into his fifth year with the Eagles, but he's not a rookie. Now, I suppose a contract is just a contract. You can kind of do whatever, but the NFL has certain rules. So I don't know if you can have a fifth-year option in a non-rookie contract or if you can just throw options in contracts whenever you want. Like you can give somebody a two-year contract with a third-year option. I mean, it, again, it's a contract. You can kind of just word it however you want, I would assume. But either way... There was an option in the contract, and they have claimed, they haven't done it yet, that they intend to pick up his option. And the option essentially is that um, they will pay him $20 million to keep his rights. Now, the thought process behind this is, if you expect to trade him, you kind of have to own the rights to him. Otherwise, you can't trade him. Right, I mean, and even if you wanted to trade him now, like real quick, let's try to trade him before free agency. Then he's if we gotta hurry, it's gonna be hard to do it anyways because then the team that you're trying to trade to, not that it's impossible, but the team you're trying to trade to would also have to enter into contract negotiations with Foles uh, at the exact same time. And the timing, I mean, we've got about a month left, so it would, I mean, it, it would be possible, and it would be a way to kind of sneakily get a team, or you know, if you're a team that wants Foles then you want to try to get him before he hits free agency. You could maybe hit up the Eagles and then try to talk to Nick Foles at the same time. But I just I feel like Foles is going to want to take his time. Maybe teams have already tried to do that, and Foles is like, no, nah, I'm not playing this game. I want to hit free agency because then that's when the value goes up, 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 up. I mean, Foles is just sort of giving away all his leverage if he does that. Don't don't enter into contract negotiations with the first team that shows up. Just, you know, and, and don't let the Eagles just do the easy thing either make them sweat a little bit so they're going to try to go this route the expectation is so so the next step supposedly after that would be that Nick Foles has the option to buy back the option in other words he can give them two million dollars to essentially nullify the contract and make the option go bye-bye it's kind of a weird thing but I guess it's a thing now the next step supposedly would be that the Eagles would then say, fine, be that way, we're going to franchise tag you. The franchise tag, I believe, is supposed to be in and around maybe $23 million. I don't know that. I don't know if we have, I don't think we have the official numbers yet. 
I saw over the cap has different numbers, but I don't really believe it. I'm thinking maybe I'm reading it wrong. So I found different numbers and 23 million sounds a little bit more correct. So you might be asking, well, what's the point? Why don't you just franchise tag him now? Well, the, the problem is when you trade him, you're trading the contract. And it's going to be easier to sell off a $20 million contract than a $23 million contract because essentially the team is going to give you back value for the value they're getting. So essentially what, what the team that gets Foles is giving you back is the value of Nick Foles minus his contract. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm taking Nick Foles and here's what he's worth. However, I also have to pay him $20 million. So a $20, $20 million Nick Foles is worth what compared to a $23 million Nick Foles? So that's the reason they'd like to try the option before they try franchise tagging him. Now, here's the bigger problem. And it's the reason why I don't believe this has happened yet and why I actually read that some people think that the Eagles are bluffing and they're not actually going to do this. Shockingly, I guess it's going to be kind of hard to trade Nick Foles. I kind of have a hard time believing that, but it seems to be the case. I heard somebody mention, you know, um, it was on one of the podcasts. I think it was uh, the Draft Dudes, maybe. But they talked about trading straight up Nick Foles for Leonard Fournette. And the idea was essentially there's no way that they would do that straight up because Leonard Fournette is way more valuable than Nick Foles. Which at first kind of shocked me. Like, what are you taught? You got a broke down running back who's been, who hasn't done anything in the NFL compared to a Super Bowl champion quarterback in a league in which quarterback is infinitely more valuable than running back. And you're telling me that you're not going to give me Leonard Fournette for my quarterback here without additional compensation. And apparently that seems to be the case. So the the problem is if you franchise tag him or even just pick up that $20 million option, you have to be absolutely certain that somebody is going to trade for him. And I don't know that that's a guarantee. You first of all have to find somebody that wants foals over somebody else that they can get in free agency, over who they have, over... um who they might get in the draft, and then, you know, there's also the 2019 or 2020 draft, which, you know, it's just a one-year franchise tag anyways, but, I mean, do you want to win, I don't know, nine games in the regular season with Nick Foles and then draft in the middle of the first round next year and miss out on a bunch of good quarterbacks? I know teams probably don't think that way, just fans do, but I'm just saying it's a bad strategy. And the problem for the Eagles is if you franchise tag him and have a hard time finding compensation for him, which another shocking thing, forget the Leonard Fournette thing, apparently they're seeking a third round pick for him. How sickening is that? I mean, you're better off just kind of letting him walk because you're probably going to get a really high uh, compensatory pick in the draft anyways. Rather than taking the risk of eating 20, I mean, because if you can't find a trade partner, you have a $20 million to $23 million backup quarterback on a team that doesn't have any cap space. Remember, they have to get rid of him just to kind of get to zero. They can't afford to keep him, and they can't afford to risk possibly keeping him. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I thought that was somewhat interesting to kind of look at how these contracts work. And also good because... The um, it's good to know that they're not probably going to be getting a ton of compensation for Nick Foles, which is nice because essentially all they're doing is offloading some space in their salary cap, and they're not you know recouping a first round draft pick or anything. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so anyways, let's flip it over to uh, the Washington Redskins now. So as it stands, the Washington Redskins are in a tough spot with Alex Smith. That's, that's where you have to start. They paid a decent amount of money to acquire Alex Smith, and it seemed like it was a pretty good pickup because this team was on its way to winning the division before he had a brutal injury. Now, the team is being kind of coy about it and talking as though, well, you know, um, he's rehabbing nicely. We'll see if he's ready to play this year. And pretty much everybody is looking at this going, are you kidding me? Everybody knows he's not playing this year. It's a question of whether he's ever going to play again. So there's some question as to how they handle this situation because the problem is there's a lot of money left in his contract. And some have talked about the option of possibly cutting him this year the problem is due to the the amount of guarantees he has left on his contract they have to pay him 20 million dollars this year but he has 36 and a half million dollars worth of guarantees left meaning you have to pay him basically 36.6 million dollars which is 16.2 million dollars over his current cap number so they're sitting at about 20 million dollars in cap space roughly they'd have to give up 16 million dollars of that that current cap space in order to pay Alex Smith to not be on the team. So I, I just, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. Now, if they wait until after June 1st to, to release him, or just next year anytime, but, you know, I don't see any reason to wait too long because he's going to also be, well, I suppose I could throw him on IR. I don't know. But if they know he's done um, next year, if they decide to cut him, uh, his $21 million cap hit goes down to 16. They end up saving $5.2 million off their cap. And then an additional uh, $10 million or 10.8 in 2021 and 5.4 in 2022. Either way, it's pretty devastating, this, this injury for them. The one positive, however, is the potential hype that, uh, that there could be a run on quarterbacks. The, the Washington Redskins are one of the teams that could potentially try to jump up. Now, you probably already know my thought on this because I don't have any problem with tanking. I understand the problems of the locker room and you've got this stuff going on, but I, I don't think you're going to fix it. 
I don't think you're going to jump up into the first round by by trading away everything you have in the draft and drafting a guy, and all of a sudden you're a great team. I think what you do is you pretend you're trying. <laughs> you get something and, um, you know, don't win a lot of stuff. Come back next year, win maybe two games, and then take whoever the top quarterback is going to be. But whatever, that's their problem to figure out. As for us, the question is, who's their quarterback going to be? Now, again, on one hand, they could get a rookie quarterback, which, you know, how often does that usually pan out to where, oh, no, they got this rookie and I'm really scared. Now, that that usually doesn't happen. Um, and also, if they do that and they do jump up ahead of us, maybe they'll stay put and try to get a quarterback. But if they do jump ahead of us, then that just pushes more value down to us. Because the Washington Redskins are picking at 15. If they want to get a quarterback, they'll probably have to push up above 12, depending on how things shake out, I guess. But um, a, a potential, uh, another potential team like the Miami Dolphins and a few others that, that could take a quarterback before 12 and give us some, some better options sitting at 12. Or even possibly a look at, at trading up, which I've said I don't really want to do, but you, you know, you start talking about some of these elite, elite players falling a little bit closer to us within striking distance, and you got to start having the conversations. You know, if, if Josh Allen gets a little bit closer, he doesn't quite get picked up. You know, there, there's three guys, and really two in my mind. I, I don't really, I haven't watched Josh Allen in a while, but I, I really, really liked him when he was thought of as like the 15th best player in the draft. Now that he's seen as like the third best player, I don't know. I got to go check him out again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much I like that. But Quinnen Williams and, and Nick Bosa, for sure, if you start seeing these guys somehow make it out of five, I don't know. Maybe start making some phone calls. But anyways, that's where the problems start. And yeah, they 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 don't have a massive amount of cap space. Again, about twenty million dollars. Um, they have about twenty million dollars wrapped up in a quarterback that they're probably gonna have to hang on to. As far as uh, quarterbacks behind that, Josh Johnson and Mark Sanchez are both free agents this year. Are you actually going to re-sign Mark Sanchez? Because that's one of those plays that you could make if you're kind of doing a tank year. Mark Sanchez. Good enough to be a quarterback, but not a good quarterback. Relatively cheap, so it doesn't kill your cap. I don't know. Um, And then you have Colt McCoy, who ended the season on IR. That's another option. Maybe you could do Sanchez-McCoy. Ugh. Not great. Um, Outside of that, Adrian Peterson is going to be a free agent. You know, I don't know. With Darius Geis coming back, I see no reason for him to stay, so I would assume Adrian Peterson is gone. Everybody else is going to be sticking around. Chris Thompson... Uh, Samaj P. Ryan and a bunch of other guys that don't really matter, but essentially Darius Geis is going to be their their full time back, and he's he's a very very talented guy, so he's going to probably be the focus of the offense, depending on who they draft. He's going to be the guy to watch with Chris Thompson as their receiving back, another really scary guy, and then Samaj P. Ryan will just be that number three kind of backup rotational guy, whatever. Um, at tight end, you got you know I mean we we went up against them this past year. Jordan Reed, always scary, but always hurt. He ended the year again on IR. I mean, it's literally every year that guy's on IR. Vernon Davis is sticking around for one more year. Jeremy Sprinkle is a relatively young guy. So they do have some talented tight ends, but uh, nobody that's looking to be a free agent. Offensive line. The only starter that they have that's a free agent is Sean Lauvo. Lauvau, whatever. I don't know. Who cares? And the fact of the matter is he's not very good. He's old, he's not very good, and there's a lot of bodies here. I don't know, you know, Ari Kwanjo. I don't know if they're looking at any of these guys as 
potential people that can step up. Tony Bergstrom is the guy that stepped in last year. He's not good, but I don't know that he's much worse. I think if it's me, I would prefer to just draft somebody and let um, let, Sh- let Sean, whatever his name is, leave. But uh, other guards that uh, aren't going to be able to back him up, Jonathan Cooper, Zach Curran, Ari Kwanjo actually is also a free agent. So guard is going to be a pretty tough spot. But Brandon Scherf, very good right guard. He's a 2020 free agent. Uh, Chase Rullier, Frenchman, so you know he's not very good at football, which is a joke, but he's not very good. Uh, Trent Williams at left tackle, Morgan Moses at right tackle, Ty Niseki, if that's how you say his name. They've, they've got a, a decent offensive line, and by decent, I mean they, they've got people there that aren't horrible. Trent Williams and Brandon Scherf are actually pretty good. Outside of that, though, mediocre center, mediocre right tackle, and um, a bit of a liability at right guard. A wide receiver, which is a, a pretty big issue for them in general, they can't seem to find people um, to make it work. First of all, they had one, two, three, four, five guys on IR last year. Robert Davis, Cam Sims, Trey Quinn, Paul Richardson, and Maurice Harris. As far as uh, free agents, Jamison Crowder and Michael Floyd. And again, you can look at this and say, well, they're going to keep, uh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. But again, $20 million, it's all they really have to work with right now. It's also a situation where you have jeez, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine guys that are all mediocre. I mean, average to below average wide receivers. You're really going to sign one of these guys? Jamison Crowder isn't good. Just let it go. At this particular point in time, I'm drafting a wide receiver because we just don't have one. Later on, we do need a guard, but not in round one. Round one, I'm looking at possibly wide receiver, unless we are going to trade up and get a quarterback. The unfortunate part of that, and this is what I talk about all the time on my draft channel, you go get a quarterback, you don't have any wide receivers for him to throw to, you don't really have any tight ends because, you know, Reed is going to be hurt, and your offensive line is kind of suspect. Granted, you have a pretty good running back, maybe, haven't really seen him yet. I just, I hate that. I absolutely hate, build your team a little bit, build it up. Let your quarterback be one of the last pieces. Otherwise, you get what all these, you know, why do teams always draft these guys that don't have offense, you don't have an offensive line, you don't have any offense whatsoever, your head coach is a defensive coordinator, and then your quarterback just gets ruined mentally, emotionally, and physically, and they end up like Mark Sanchez, a backup quarterback for the rest of their lives, because they essentially were a crash test dummy for four years, were the laughing stock of the NFL, and just, you, 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 I don't know. Whatever. Do what you do. Uh, the defense, though, is kind of the, the strength of the team, and they're actually in pretty good shape, at least as far as uh, free agency. Haha, Clinton Dix is going to be a free agent. I don't know what they're going to do, but I would assume they are going to try to retain him. That's just my opinion. I don't really know. Probably depends how much money he thinks he's worth. Actually, that's the case with everything. He decides how much he's worth, the team decides how much he's worth, and then they come to a consensus on whether it's a good fit or not. But otherwise, outside linebackers, Preston Smith and Pernell McPhee are also free agents. Zach Vigil, inside linebacker, is a free agent. Everybody else, sticking around. So, pretty good situation. Uh, Quickly, before we get into looking at the team position by position and the matchup with the Packers, a couple people that they can maybe move on from or might not have um, in order to save some money. One of the first guys that jumps off the page that they're probably not going to move on from because he's a relatively critical piece is Brandon Scherf. 
He's owed $12.5 million. Of that, $0 are dead money, meaning they could get $12.525 million by trading him, letting him walk, whatever. But again, very, very unlikely. Ryan Kerrigan. Now, the problem here is, again, if you let Ryan Kerrigan go, you've got Preston Smith and Pernell McPhee that are free agents. But Ryan Anderson was their top edge rusher all of last year. Now, he only played 175 snaps, but he was pretty solid. Preston Smith was the second best guy. Ryan Kerrigan was their third best. Pernell McPhee wasn't far behind. So depending on what you can get if you want to retain a guy like Preston Smith in free agency, maybe you can pay him a little bit less. You could potentially look to trade a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, which, by the way, if you did, and Ryan Kerrigan isn't bad, something to consider for the Packers, I suppose, just kind of a above-average guy across the, the board as far as pass, rush, run, defense, and coverage. But they would save uh, 10 and three-quarter million dollars, which is a pretty good chunk of money. Uh, Josh Norman is another option, but I can't, I mean, I, I don't really know. They could save eight and a half, half million dollars, but they'd have to pay six million dollars in dead money. So it, it becomes that question of, do you want to pay him 14.5 million to play or six million to leave? I just don't see any reason to, to move on from Josh Norman. He's not what you hoped for when you paid for him, but he's still going to be your best cornerback on the team. You can't really get rid of him. Trent Williams, you save a little bit of money, but he's another critical piece on the offensive line. Um, one piece that does sort of make a lot of sense in my mind is Jordan Reed. The guy is, is unbelievably talented, but he's always hurt. He's never contributing. You do have Sprinkle on your team. I think it might be time to move on. He's due $9.6 million. You can save $6 million of that. I think it would be the right thing to do to just let him go. Um, otherwise, not a huge amount of, of savings. Vernon Davis is another one. I don't know if you want to get rid of both of them or not, but he's due $6.3 million. You can save $5 million of that. Either way, keeping both tight ends, it just doesn't make any sense. So those are a couple areas that they can uh, look to save a little bit of money. But overall, whenever the Packers do play them, we're going up against a team first and foremost that isn't going to have a quarterback. Now, again, it, it's possible. Maybe they, they do something crazy and they get Nick Foles or something, which is unlikely because of their contract situation. Um, they would have to unload a decent amount of people because, again, even if the option sticks at $20 million and that's what you decide to um, give them, the, the, the Redskins don't have a ton of draft picks, so they'd have to give up you know, their third-round pick or whatever. And then they'd have to give up the rest of their $20 million to be able to pay him. Now, maybe they could offer him a contract extension, which then they could change the, the contract structure rather than coughing up $20 million now. Maybe they can give him a, a three-year deal worth $20 million over those three years and sort of backload it a little bit so that it's not hurting as much. This, But the point is, more than likely... If I had to put some money down, this team is not going to have a very good quarterback unless they go in free agency or the draft and they end up being very, very talented. Um, as far as wide receivers, they don't have any. Regardless of whether or not they, they retain their free agents, you know, Paul Richardson, Josh Dox, Dotson, Doxson, Jamison Crowder, Maurice Harris, Michael Floyd, none of these guys are any good. So, I mean, they do have some people that are physically gifted. I mean, they've got guys similar to, like, what we drafted in um, in Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, where they've got the height, they've got the speed, they've got the attributes, but they're not they're just not good football players. So they can hurt you if you're not careful, but eh, in general, not a whole lot to worry about. Um, I mentioned running back. That is going to be their one, their one strength, and I, I think maybe the smart thing to do 
is to kind of look at it similar to, you know, the Broncos and, and kind of take that approach, or I'm trying to think of a better example of a team. But essentially a team where you find a game manager as a quarterback. Pro- I don't even know if Mark Sanchez could be considered a game manager if he's even that good. But then you go out and you try to build up. And, and listen, Jay Gruden is that same kind of guy. He is the, the Shanahan um he comes from that Mike Shanahan tree, which is where Kyle Shanahan and LaFleur and all these guys come from. So running the football, very, very important. They went out and got Darius Geis, very good running back. So going out and building that offensive line, finding a game manager at quarterback and decent enough wide receivers to do whatever it is you plan on doing, essentially I would expect this to be a team that's going to run the ball relatively well, and they're going to stress that. So run the ball play physical football. I mean, physical on offense, physical on defense. I mean, this is their defense is nothing but Alabama players. Their, their defensive line is like all Alabama. Ha, Clinton Dix is Alabama, 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 Alabama. They're big, strong, physical guys. And I think that's the way they like to play football. So coming into this, there's no question the Packers should be the better team, and it's at home. But the Packers are going to have to learn to man up a little bit. And that's nothing to be... Um, I'm not trying to be slanderous, but that's just not what they're really known for. They're, they're not a smash-mouth football kind of team. You know, you, you get a team like this and the Packers try to run the ball, they're usually not very good at it. So hopefully LaFleur can kind of help with the run game, but also just get these guys to play physical, tough football, man. Right? Our, our offensive line, they're talented, but they're not mean. You know, David Bakhtiari is gifted, he's talented, he's athletic, but he's, he's not a mauler. We don't have any maulers on offensive line. And same with our defense. I mean, we've got some talented football players, with the exception of guys like Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels is very, very mean, very, very violent. I'm just saying, you might need a little bit of that against a team like this. So that's going to be the one area. And then with that, um, sort of a hybrid, I guess, position is going to be the tight end. I think that's going to be an important position for them. Again, I would assume Jordan Reed or Vernon Davis are going to be gone. Um, for my money, I'm probably going to keep Vernon Davis for another year just because, again, Jordan Reed is talented as a receiver as he is. I think with Vernon Davis, you're going to get a little bit more physical, uh, better in you know with his pass blocking, relatively, I mean, as far as the grade goes, almost as good of a receiver as Jordan Reed was last year. So, you know, tight end is going to be another part of that, that physicality, but also giving that other dimension of uh, a receiver that the Packers are going to have to account for. Offensive line, again, it's not bad. I would expect them to do a little work. I don't think they're going to have the ability and free agency to do very much, but in the draft, I would expect them to kind of hammer this because I think it's going to be the focal point of their offense. If it's me, that's the direction I'm going to go. And the benefit of that, as much as, you know, very successful teams typically don't operate this way, the benefit is it takes some of the pressure off of the quarterback that's coming in. In other words, I'm not asking you to come in and be Pat Mahomes with these garbage wide receivers that we have. Your job is to come in and just distribute the football accurately and we're going to try to simplify that for you but the focus of this offense is going to be a physical downhill running team the defense is going to take a lot of the load your job is to pick up the slack right throw the ball when I tell you to throw the ball and just give me an accurate ball that's all I want from you Uh, looking at the defensive line I didn't talk about it much because again they don't really have any free agents but uh, Deron Payne Jonathan Allen both big Alabama guys Matt Ioannidis uh, really kind of stepped up very talented group. Um, you know, no real elite talent, but you've, you've got three guys that are good. Uh, They're they almost complementary in the way that they work as well. Deron Payne, good run defender, not a very good pass rusher. Jonathan Allen is um, sort of equally talented against the run in the pass. And then Matt Ioannidis 
is more of your pass rusher and, uh, you know, sort of mediocre run defender. Then off the edge again, Preston Smith, Ryan Kerrigan, Ryan Anderson, and Pernell McPhee make up the four outside linebackers, all of whom are relatively talented, which again is why it kind of makes sense to maybe move on from Ryan Kerrigan. Um, And outside of Ryan Anderson and what he was able to do, again, limited sample size, but uh, as a run defender and in coverage, he was very, very talented. As far as a pass rusher, the top guys are Ryan Kerrigan and Pernell McPhee. So we'll see. And, and again, with this draft class, you know, I, I would like to see some wide receiver. Maybe you do a quarterback. But what maybe makes the most sense in this particular draft class would be to look at getting an edge rusher. Uh, as silly as that might seem, just looking at pro football focus, you say, well, that's one of their only strengths on this team. Fact is, Pernell McPhee is getting kind of old. Ryan Kerrigan, we would like like to let walk. And Preston Smith and Ryan Anderson aren't very good pass rushers. They're mostly run defense and kind of decent in coverage. So a young, talented pass rusher, we don't have one. And considering that's the strength of the, uh, the draft, maybe that's where I'm looking. So kind of in terms of matchup, before we wrap this up, it's going to be kind of a, a short podcast, apparently. This is going by pretty quickly. I feel like I've been talking for an hour, but I'm only at a half hour, which is ridiculous. But, um, you know, e- even the if you gave me the 2018 Packers, no excuse. Just give me the 2018 Packers, but with a new attitude, and they can just kind of play up to their potential. You know, not not the, the Packers that can't beat, you know, the Cardinals or the Lions or anybody, but just give me our talent versus their talent. This It's not even really close. I have some questions about our, our secondary. We don't really have any safeties. We have one corner with some talent. The rest, I hope, can play really well, but I, I don't know that they will. Even so, I still take our corners over their wide receivers. Our defensive tackles up against their defensive interior, I like our defensive tackles and kind of buy a lot. And that's whether we have Muhammad Wilkerson or not, re- whether we draft another defensive tackle or not. Uh, the, the relative big question is, are we going to get a pass rusher in the draft? Because if not, regardless of the fact of, of Williams and Moses and their, their somewhat lack of talent, we don't have anyone off the edge that can do anything. I know Sackrell got a bunch of sacks. I get that, but I, I just... You know, whatever. I think Fackrell is a, is a kind of guy who has a very limited skill set. And the reason why the bulk of his sacks come in spurts is because when your one skill set is kind of highlighted against somebody who has a hard time defending against that one skill set, that's how you end up getting three sacks in one game twice. Right? You can only do one thing, but you can do it really well. And against some tackles, that's good enough. But what do you do against a tackle that's kind of good at defending that kind of stuff? So th- that's going to be a big need, and that's, that's going to be true just across the board. If we have one, we're going to be in better shape than if we don't have one, and by a lot. Um, stopping the run is going to be a big thing, which is where edge rusher, defensive tackle, as well as linebacker is going to matter. I've been relatively vocal about wanting to keep um, Jake Ryan because I think he's going to be inexpensive. I think he's underrated by Packer fans, um, and I think Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez are a decent enough duo. It gives us two linebackers that I think neither of them are elite, but both of them are very good, or at least good. And that's better than what most teams can say. And it's, just, you know, then we don't have to go invest in a bunch of linebackers. We can keep Morrison or whoever. We got Oren Burks. Maybe he develops. And then we've got three guys, four guys that can play the position. No, we don't have an elite guy, but so what? We also got uh, Josh Jones, who can kind of play that hybrid role to hopefully take care of these uh, Chris Thompson types that are kind of sneaky out of the backfield as receivers. And then flipping it around, I mean, it, it, it comes down to as far as the um, 
as far as the Packers offense against this defense, it'll be a little bit different. But I think the Packers offense has to be good enough to stop this. I don't know if they're keeping HaHa Clinton Dix. I think they should because he's a relatively talented uh, safety as much as nobody wants to admit it. It's funny, I was what was I watching? I think the Bears game. And HaHa Clinton Dix ended up making a, t- a critical tackle on third down that may or may not have, have made the difference between winning and losing that game. But it's just it's funny how no it's just crazy nobody wants to give him any credit for anything because he took a couple bad angles and wasn't a great tackler. So what? Do you know how many ta- how many safeties are terrible at tackling and have made Tremont Williams did it all year long. I'm I'm never going to get over this <laughs> ever. And I I agree. He he made some mistakes, but just the the absolute disrespect drives me nuts. He was a good player for a long time that started to get an attitude and and didn't play 100% all the time. But his coverage was better than anybody we had by a lot. Way better than Tremont Williams. And the tackling was probably on par with Tremont Williams. Nobody wanted to talk about it, though. There goes Tremont taking a terrible angle and missing a tackle. Nobody talks about it. Five plays later, Tremont Williams makes a tackle to stop somebody from getting in the goal line. It's like, oh, look who's got a stud. Look who's better than ha-ha Clinton Dick. I'm never getting over this, ever. But anyways, as it stands at this point, pretty solid defensive line, but beatable. I think we have a a center that has the ability. Uh, we have tackles, depending on what we do with Balaga. I do think we're going to keep him. I do think we should keep him. And hopefully, if we're able to upgrade the guards, and again, with LaFleur hopefully drilling run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. We should be able to make some hay here. Um, as far as their corners, Josh Norman doesn't have what it takes to match up against uh, Devontae Adams. I've said it a thousand times, we do need a number two, whether it's a slot guy, whether it's a number two outside guy. It could even be a tight end. I don't, I don't really even care at this point. There has to be somebody else that is a consistent target that can be open whenever they're supposed to be open. With that said, they don't really have very good corners. Again, of course, free agency and the draft are still yet to come. The Redskins, however, don't have a ton. I mean, they got a first, second, third, fifth, and a seventh, and that's it. But um, not super great linebackers. I mean, it, to be completely honest, this isn't a horrible game to try to establish the run a little bit. They're going to try to be more physical, and I think if we can play them and win the physicality matchup, as much as this is a game where it would be relatively easy to distribute the ball, they're going to try to win time of possession. They're going to try to run the ball down our throat. Depending on our defense's ability to stop that, it wouldn't be the worst idea to play in kind. If we can handle guys like Josh Allen and Deron Payne, they don't have linebackers. They don't have a very good strong safety. And yes, haha, Clinton Dix, not the greatest at playing strong safety and making tackles in the open field. With a guy that's as slippery as Aaron Jones, you know, maybe we put a little bit of a hurting on him in the run game. And if all we have to do is, is play smart, you know, distributive football beyond that, to guys that are schemed open to, you know, I'm, I'm, I, this should be a win. <laughs> If if this isn't a win, there's probably a bit of a problem. And I know it's early to say that kind of stuff, but again, I'm looking at their team, what up, dance party. I'm looking at this team right now, and I'm looking at what they have in the draft, which is not very much. They don't have a lot of draft picks. I'm looking at what they have as far as draft, or excuse me, um, cap space. They don't have very much cap space, and I'm assuming they're going to have to re-sign a few of these people, so they're going to have probably in and around the 20. If they decide to move on from these two guys, decide to sign these two or three guys, then you're kind of breaking even, and you're sitting at that 20-ish, and you can't do a ton with 20. And again, you've, you've got to re-sign your, the guys that you draft, which only having, you know, five draft picks and whatever, 
I don't know what's going to cost five million, but that makes that's a pretty big dent when we're talking about twenty. So you have fifteen million dollars to play with. In other words, this is more or less the team I expect to be going up against, and this team is not very good, especially without a quarterback. And I don't think they have the ability to get a quarterback unless they get unbelievably lucky in the draft. And with this team that needs a few more things as far as the draft, that does not have a lot of free agents, uh, or why do I keep calling it free agent? doesn't have a lot of cap space. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to trade away what little draft capital we have to move up and get guys in this draft class when we know we're not going to win a lot of games next year. We know we're going to get a high pick, and we know there's a ton of quarterbacks next year. Draft intelligently. Get an outside li- or li- yeah, get an outside linebacker. Get whoever falls to you. Get a get a linebacker. Get an offensive lineman. Take the best player available because there's really no position on this team I'm looking at going. Yeah, we don't need that. If it's a safety, take the safety. If it's a linebacker, take a linebacker. The only one maybe is defensive tackle you don't want, which there's a lot of them. But fine, pick anything else: outside linebacker, corner, wide receiver, tackle, guard, center, quarterback. You don't probably need running back, but tight end, whatever. Draft intelligently. Get the, the five best guys you can in the draft, maybe even trade back, and then next year come out guns a-blazing. In fact, next year, maybe, maybe trade back far enough to get another first-round pick next year. Then you're going to be drafting probably in the top five, and you've got a second pick. And by the way, I'm, I'm already starting. Don't tell anybody. I'm already starting my 2020 draft board because I want that to be ready by the time the draft is over. I don't want NFLBigBoard.com to just be sitting there with nothing. Unbelievable wide receiver class. A lot of good quarterbacks, some good running backs, some good tackles, some good wide receivers. So offense galore. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and tackles, as best as I can tell. Oh my goodness. But if, you, if you're if you the Washington Redskins and you have two first-round picks and you don't even have to move up, you can grab a quarterback who's a very talented quarterback in the first round, and then you can double back and get a guy like uh, Judy, Jerry Judy out of Alabama or whoever. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but but the bottom line is, if I'm the Washington Redskins, I could not care any less about this year. This isn't our year. I talk about that with the Packers. Is this our year to push in, or do we need to wait a little bit? This is a waited-out year. This is a just-get-the-best-players-you-can-when-you-can-get-them. We're not trying to do anything crazy. Why would we trade up to get a quarterback right now? It's not going to do us any good. If anything, we're going to trade back because next year is going to be our year. Not even necessarily the year to win the Super Bowl, but next year is a big year for, for, for growth. That's when we get our quarterback and our wide receiver on top of all our draft picks this year, on top of everything else. That's when we really turn this thing around. In 2020, we're going to be back on top, at least on top of our division. We're going to be a a strength again. We're going to start playing for the playoffs. This year is not a playoff year for us. Not going to happen. So from the Packers' perspective, that's a good thing. This is a defeated football team. The later in the year we can play, you don't want to play them late because whatever, but... The later in the year it is, the more defeated they are. The more defeated they are, the easier they are to beat. Granted, easier teams up front would be nice. I don't don't know what the best strategy is for your early games. You don't want it to be a divisional one because those are important. You don't want it to be super easy because that's when things are volatile and a garbage team could beat a really good team because everything's just crazy, so you don't really want that. But do you want to play really good teams and then lose? I don't... There's no good scenario. I don't I don't know what the best scenario is. But anyways, that's that's the Washington Redskins in a nutshell. That should absolutely be a win. So so far, especially at home, it's a lot of wins. 
The Bears game is going to be tough. The Lions, I would hope, should be a win if the Packers are kind of back to being a decent team. The Vikings will be tough. The Panthers, I think the the Packers have the upper hand. The Broncos, I think the Packers are a better team. The Raiders absolutely should be a win. The Eagles could be kind of tough, but we'll have to see. There's already people poking the bear with, with, I mean, a lot of weird stuff going on with Wentz right now. First of all, he's got the injury history, but there's talk about maybe character issues with him, which I had never heard before. Some people kind of poking at maybe he's not that good of a quarterback, which I don't think is true, but it's just kind of a weird situation. You're starting to feel things, the wheels are kind of falling off a little bit, and then you got the Redskins, which I think is a win. So that's a pretty good home stretch. And again, I'm not talking about the Vikings, Lions, or Bears quite yet. Maybe I will if we just don't have anything to talk about uh, for a few days. But I want to talk about them post-free agency, as well as uh, a lot of these other teams, depending on who does things that are interesting. I don't really know that everybody's going to be doing everything. But uh, after this, we're going to be looking at some of our on-the-road opponents. So we got the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Giants, and the 49ers. Just right off the bat, obviously, the Chiefs in Kansas City is going to be tough. The Chargers uh, could be tough. Bears and Vikings, again, could be tough. Detroit in Detroit, who knows? Cowboys could be tough. 49ers could be tough. Giants could be tough. I mean, there's not a single team on here that I'm looking at and going, oh, that's a win. 49ers are bad, but they didn't have their quarterback. We've got to see what they can do to turn the ship around. Cowboys started to look pretty good toward the end of the year. I mean, that that's tough. The Giants started to look good toward the end of the year. And again, if you look at Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham and some of the talent they have and then plop in a top quarterback, suddenly this is an offense that can kind of do some stuff. The Chargers we saw were very talented. The Chiefs need no explanation. So we'll, we'll have to see because, again, 2018 is no indication of 2019. It, it just it never really reads in directly. I'm trying to do my best to maybe try to predict the future a little better than just looking at last year. You know, like the Chicago Bears, I do expect to take a little bit of a step back, you know, based on the fact that they've overperformed. You got guys having the best year of their careers, guys like Amukamura who have been relatively mediocre for, geez, six, seven, eight years, and then suddenly he's great. You kind of expect that to kind of come back to, to normalcy. And with Vic Fangio leaving and all this stuff, and plus Nagy in his first year, and all of a sudden it's the second year, people have a good amount of time to study what he did with the Chicago Bears. You know, I, I definitely expect that to kind of come back a little bit. But anyways, we'll start talking about our road opponents. Maybe tomorrow, we'll de- it depends if there's anything else to talk about. But uh, otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. If you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Again, if you're listening to the show that has the the green and yellow striped shield that is not my podcast you're welcome to rate and review that that's fine but you're going to want to find the darker pack daddy logo that one is mine and i would appreciate any and all reviews to try to help get this show up toward the top so when people search packers they can actually find the packernet podcast because at this point it's basically pure luck that people are finding it So I appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. I hope you enjoy your Tuesday. It is the worst day of the week. Enjoy the weather. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.